Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And welcome to Escaping Casteverus, the podcast where we rewatch, reminisce, and review everything Doctor Who from 2005 to present. My name is Rich, and I'm joined by the one person I know who has four hyper vodkas for our breakfast. It's Amy. <laughs> God, I'd feel ill if I did that. <laughs> I just go now. I just go through the episodes and think, right, what can I, what can I take from this to introduce Amy with? As not just saying it's the you're the At villain of I'm the not, week. Yeah, I, I was going to say. I nearly went with uh, the one woman who can't seem to count how many legs she has <laughs> uh, but then after that point captain jack says four hypervolkers i'm like cool i'll go with that we're gonna go with that let's go with that at least i'm not the uh, guest mask child so that's good yes uh but welcome to episode 10 of doctor who series one and also escaping gasteberus hey. series one get it because we sync we're syncing up even though i think we <laughs> before we even get started i mean i've been discussing this about whether come season two of uh Escaping Kerberos, and also getting into sec- the second series of Doctor Who, whether we do the two-part stories as one podcast instead, because which we like, think might be slightly easier. Last week we covered all the characters and everything. Like no, like there are no new characters to get introduced really mm. in this in this episode. Um, so there's not really as much to talk about this time. So, so apologies so, if this is slightly shorter. Yeah, this one might be slightly shorter. Uh, but it also means that if we do if we do two parts, like the podcast could go on for a little bit longer. Like if it was mm. an hour and a half, for example, uh, yeah, that'd it, you'd be rather better. than having you'd have an hour and a half to listen to rather than an hour podcast one week and then just half an hour the half next week, which seems next, kind of pointless. Yeah. So we think we, we're going to do starting with series two. We'll do uh, a podcast for the two parters. Interestingly, when we get to after the next episode and we hit the the two parts for the end of the story, I've never really considered that a two parter. Uh, I've always I mean, seen them as like two episodes that they do follow one from each other, but like mm. not so much that I see that as like fifty percent of a full story. I see it as yeah. act one and act two of a, of yeah, a bigger story. Like the like, way that this was fifty percent of a story. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, that's not important because we're gonna talk about the Doctor Dances. And I mentioned last yes. week 
uh, that this was the thing that that this is the specific episode of the Empty Child saga, for lack of a better phrase, <laughs> that that scarred me as a kid. This was aired on the twenty eighth of May two thousand and five. Why did this one scar you more than the last one? Because I think this is the only part of it I actually saw, uh, like when, um. It originally aired. I don't think I saw The Empty Child part one, or just The Empty Child. Oh. I don't think I saw that air on the day it aired because I think I mentioned this like on the first episode of this podcast. Mm. When I was young, I was doing all my dance classes and oh, yeah. the Saturday night was one of those things where I was going to be at my dance classes. It's why I didn't grow up with Saturday morning cartoons mm-hmm. or stuff like that. If I got the chance to sit and watch Dick and Dom and the Bungalow, it was because my <laughs> dancing classes weren't on or I was ill or something. I never got to watch any of that. So school on monday morning everyone's talking about um whatever smtv was that i have not yeah it was but i never watched it yeah like all the big saturday morning shows and stuff like that everyone would always talk about that and i was like i i was doing my ballet classes and my (laughs) tap dancing so i don't know all of that stuff so empty child was one that i i think i watched for the first time properly i think i might have seen clips of it on the bbc right. website when you'd have to download real player which i think we did mm. talk about before oh my god real um, player <laughs> yeah um and so i'd only seen bits and bobs of that but empty child uh, sorry dr dances is the one that i remember seeing because the day that this aired i remember this so vividly my family or like some uh, some relatives on my mum's side had a, a caravan a static caravan at a holiday park in Great Yarmouth. And for occasionally on weekends, we would go there. And I remember this Saturday, the 28th of May, 2005, uh, I finished my classes and we went straight to Great Yarmouth. It's about, what, an hour away from where from I'm from in Lincolnshire? Are, yeah. Hour and a bit, maybe. And um, I remember like saying to my dad like are we there yet are we there i want to get in so we can watch doctor who i don't want to miss this because i missed the last i missed last week's i want to watch this week's and i remember getting in and i think we might have been i don't remember how far in we were we may have been at the uh the point when the doctor was in his room and the tape recorder Uh, ends i think that might have been whereabouts we were but that night I like we watched that latter I don't know half of that episode yeah and we get to the um the the technically two transformations that happen in this episode because we said this mm. last week that they didn't go overboard yeah with thank god the transformation sequences in the episode a most likely down to the fact that they probably didn't have the budget mm. to do all of these pretty good looking effects actually yeah they were um not bad actually and so one of them happens like off screen. You have the guy that's um, locked up. Is it P- Jenkins, Perkins? Something like that. I don't know. Whatever. And you've got Nancy locked up with him. And he really goes overboard with it. Yeah. Which is creepy enough. And then just look at the camera cutting back to Nancy and hearing the sound of the... I don't oh, even know how the, to... It's how kind to... of like a crunching... Yeah. Kind of, it's, like a, it's like a crunchy, squelchy kind of noise. Yeah. It's not Ugh. very nice. It's not, no. And um, you sort of hear that happening and I'm there like on the sofa. Like, I can remember this so vividly, being on the sofa in this caravan thinking, oh God, I don't like this. Ugh. And then once we get to the point that the Doctor, Jack and Rose have made it to the railway station and they come across, what's his name? Algy? Algy. Yeah, yeah, I think it's Algy. Um, and Jack's like, oh, it's me, Jack. And he goes, mummy. And it's like, oh, no, it's going to happen again. But this time he falls down and you see it profile and you yeah. see how much the front of his face like sticks out. And then you get the close up of it 
of his mouth like it's sort of the the end of the his mouth like turning into the metal grate and it blacking up Ugh, and then his eyes growing it's such it's so snappy compared to the dr yeah, constantine one, one in the empty child but even just watching that 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 genuinely got me watching Ugh. that again tonight i oh that's that is it's the so thing quick i almost kind of missed it yeah but it's so well done Oh, and yeah, it, it really it just all it, it shows you the bits that we remember from the constant time on it's like there's his mouth changing there's his eyes changing mm-hmm. you're seeing it from the side to see how much it like messes with this guy's face yeah um and that's what stuck with me that's what scarred me the constant time one is creepy but that one is the one that killed me as a kid and i think it's because it's part, so unexpected yeah it is just so sudden like, like he's you've, all of you've a sudden one trans- minute he's like what are you on about jenkins or whoever blah blah yeah. blah you know and then all of a sudden he's just kind of like he's walking around he's chatting to the other soldier and then all of a sudden it's like mommy it's like no nah. yeah like th- you've had the one transformation of jenkins uh it is jenkins uh mm-hmm. and you think okay that's the episode's transformation done and then surprise here's another one Uh-oh. and yeah that got me but my my little brother back then he would have been Ooh, what six i yeah. think yeah he'd been six um he wasn't scared of anything no, no genuinely I mean, anything <laughs> i was scared of, i was scared of everything he, he wasn't scared of anything so he then proceeded to spend the rest of the night saying are you my mummy to me <laughs> of course he just did. <laughs> to get on my tits and my god he did <laughs> and we were in this caravan in Great Yarmouth, if you've ever stayed in a, a static caravan, or even just a normal caravan, but static caravans, even the uh, the walls on the inside, they're not very thin. They have to stay light and and stuff. And he was in... There were two bedrooms at the end of it, both with, uh, like, two single beds in each. My brother and sister were in one, and I was in the other by myself. And he was up against the wall going, Are you my mummy? <laughs> Are you my mummy? That's so typical, Through the, Will. Through the wall. <laughs> And I'm like, Will, I'm going to smack you. <laughs> and so, yeah, he was doing that the entire night. And I'm already there in bed, like, crapping myself. Mm. Because I'm still... I've got him saying that and picturing this guy transforming. And then that night in Great Yarmouth, it was windy as bloody anything. Ten-year-old so the, entire, the entire caravan was shaking. So I've got, I'm in bed trying to sleep. I've got the picture of this guy transforming in my mind. I've got my brother through the wall saying, are you my mummy? And the whole caravan shaking and creaking. And it's like, I'm not okay with this. So it wasn't the episode that scared you, it was your brother. (laughs) Well, the episode is what what spurred it. And like I said, the visual images were there. He was the one putting the audio back in. And then my whole room was shaking. I was horrified. And I I just got wuss. Well, I was a wuss. (laughs) I, I, would, I would not dispute that. I was a wuss so much. Um, but that that night is what haunts me about this episode to this day. Like it was uh, a, a triple threat of windy night, <laughs> shaky caravan, dickhead little brother who realized <laughs> this is scaring me and is going to take it to the next level. And then my my brain, as, as the, the human mind can do, which is, hey, this thing scares you. Keep thinking about it. Yeah, literally. It's like when I, I don't like the Saw films and yet one night I found myself watching all of the traps on YouTube and I'm like, why, why do I do this? Why do why? I do this to myself? But I'm that's doing so, it. Oh, you're such a weirdo. I am. But that that's that was what I mentioned, like briefly mentioned last week about this being the episode that got me, not the empty child. 
Mm. So going back to it now, like I said, that transformation scene with with Algi still gets me. Even now, like I said, it's still... That's quite oh, surprising. I'm the sort of so, person that once I've been oh. exposed to something, like, enough, I just don't really care about it anymore. Yeah. Like, obviously certain things do still scare me, but, like, I can watch, like, Blink now and just not really care. Like, you know, back when Five Nights at Freddy's first came out and that was absolutely, like, terrifying. Oh, yeah, that was horrifying. I can watch that now and I'm just like, eh. Like, you yeah, know. like I said, it's just, the rest of it's fine. None of that bothers me anymore. But just that one transformation sequence still... It's bit. not something I can't watch, but I don't think I was expecting it to send a shiver up my spine like yeah. it did when we just watched it now. Like, whoa. Shall I, we um, Shall we talk about... Uh, go on, the uh, The first... The, what's it called? The cold open? Is that what it's called? Uh, well, yeah, the cold open. So the rundown of... Uh, so the rundown of the last week. episode. Yeah. Um, because obviously they've done that amazing thing again where they do the rundown of the last episode and then it just seamlessly blurs into the start of the new episode without, yeah. like, you know, a cut. Putting the titles in between, yeah. yeah. Um, and this week we've got the fantastic Go To Your Room, which I absolutely love, and I completely forgot it was a thing until it started, and I turned to you and I went, oh, I forgot about this bit, I really like this bit. Um, and he says, and he goes, Go To Your Room, Go To Your Room, and eventually, obviously, they do. And then he has that fantastic line of... um. Oh, thank God that worked. Those would have been terrible last words. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. And then the title sequence kicks in. But I, I find quite... that to be like one of the one of the best moments of, of Eccleston. You see him transition from I am like terrified of my own life. Like the number of times that I think uh he says, I don't know what we're gonna do here. He says yeah. it, it it's sort of implied at the beginning of the episode, at the end of the last one when they're being surrounded by the zombies, and he's like, I don't know how to fight this. It's kinda of like I a trope of the I episode. I can't boot somebody because if I do, I'm gonna yeah. get I'm gonna change. Um and he does it again at the end with the like what we're we gonna do and he goes, I don't know. Mm. Like, it's kind of I just like, I just don't know. It's kind of like his thing throughout this episode, which is just like he's basically just kind of trying to work out what's happening. Like he's got no real say over no. what actually is going on and like you know he can't really do anything about it it's not like one of those doctor saves the day kind of instances it's basically just like the doctor is kind of like just there for the audience's viewpoint yeah in this it's kind of like this is how you're viewing you're viewing it through his perspective of like not really knowing what's going on and you're working out at the same time yeah um but yeah but he, that whole his... sorry, sorry. <laughs> no you no you that, no you that whole hospital scene obviously because like you know you've got um sort of several different like areas to the hospital haven't you you've got obviously the um the bit where they're stuck and they get out by sort of saying you know go to your room and whatnot um and then you've got captain jack as he's now known thanks to rose yeah. um and his blaster magic thing yeah. Whatever it's called. Sonic the Sonic Blaster. Yeah, that. that's it. <laughs> um and like them going upstairs to the tape room, which I always again was really kind of like I kept turning to you and going, Oh, is this this bit? Oh, is this this bit? And you were just kinda like, Yes, watch it. <laughs> um yeah. 
But I really, really enjoyed that bit where they're upstairs in... I mean, I really enjoyed the whole hospital sequence. I think it's like a really cool sequence. But um, the bit where they're upstairs in the room and the child goes from saying, are you my bummy on the tape, to saying, I am here... And it's like at that point, I'm here. Can't you see me? Oh no, this is any trouble. Yeah, like it's not even a jump scare. Like it's let in really well. It's a. It's Mm -hmm. more of that moment of when, if you notice it before Rose does, you're there going, oh god, yeah, like something's gonna happen. But then when it is explained to you, and you and you know that it's gonna happen, like. In a in a horror film, when you can you can tell a jump scare is going to happen, mm-hmm. it, it takes the whole jump scare out of it. But because you know of the threat, you know how impossible this child is. Yeah, having him in that room, even if he's the other side of the table, and admittedly at this point he's blocking the way out, but we know that Jack's got a sonic blaster. Yeah, yeah, it's still creeps you out because mm. it, it's a it's a creepy image that a kid in a gas mask. The, the sort of hollow eyes of it, the odd shape of it. And obviously it's been given a a different sort of context, I guess. Yeah. Being like part of the whole narrative of this is how this, in mm-hmm. inverted commas, alien looks or the threat looks. And seeing him there again, it's just like, Christ, I didn't yeah. need that. This is terrifying. But also I think what's more scary is the fact that he changes what he says. Because, like, obviously we were saying last episode about the fact that it's one of those kind of repetition things that's, like, the reason it's scary is because it's unrelenting kind of repetition. Yeah. Um, but this episode gets slightly scarier because it changes what it says based on the situation. So saying, like, I am here, can't you see me, hmm. is, like, creepier because that's the inherent threat then rather than just, like, kind of the overarching, like, are you my mummy? Because that gets, like... You know, when you're listening to it on the tape, um, it almost becomes kind of like you go from being scared of it to feeling sorry for it. Yeah. Um, because you understand, obviously, then what's happened, sort of, that it's a kid that's just looking for his mummy, hence why Dr. Constantine on the tape is like, do you know where you are? Like, can you tell me this or whatever? Um, and it becomes kind of less about, like, the fact that it's scary and more about the fact that it's, like almost um what's the word i'm looking for like sorrowful um and so changing what the kid then says to say like i'm here can't you see me is like that's how you bring it back to it's reaffirming that you should be scared of this kid or you shouldn't feel safe sorry for him or say yeah well it's not that you shouldn't feel sorry for for him yeah but i think it's more that it like because, like you said, it's realising it before the Doctor and Rose realise it. Um, because the reason they obviously changed what you were saying was so that you had that, like, initial thing of, like, that's a different... He's never said that before. Why? And then you sort of think, I am here. Oh, God, he's in the room. And they've not noticed it. And you're just like, why haven't you noticed it? Yeah. Um, and the fact that the Doctor goes, oh, that was the tape running out about 30 seconds ago. And then it's just kind of like, ah. Oh, my God. Um, so literally, directly following that scene, we have the banana oh my god like we yeah, had, we've, whole... had, we've had the the name drop of the, the the factories that the blaster was made in and jack says oh there was the there was a dis- the explosion they're all disintegrated now and the doctor goes like i said once i've been bananas there once yeah been, they've got banana grove there now banana's good and then he switches jack's blaster with it literally i think the doctor does that 
purely for the sake of showing off to Rose. Because oh, you see how much of a badass he looks. He like has this sort of weird, like he pushes his bottom jaw forward as he pu- mm-hmm. as he pulls out the blaster. She's like proper, oh yeah, shoots out the wall. And he goes, go, go, don't drop the banana. Why? Good source of potassium. Good source of potassium. It's, it's, again, it's that little, those little quirks that they just add like a sprinkling on top of this this overall more dark doctor yeah. kind of like what it is at the beginning when he says oh there's there'd have been terrible last words you've got rose and jack like you know uh, they've, sure. ju- they've just they've just <laughs> crapped a brick and the doctor's there like <laughs> thank god for that um, it's, um yeah it's very much nines kind of character isn't it like yeah. that little tiny sprinkling of humor and this banana thing goes on for like a few beats doesn't it so you've got yeah. the, like the sort of swapping it out for the banana and then you've got the good source of potassium and then you talk about oh is there really a banana plantation and blah 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 like the, for some reason the banana is like a thing that just kind of is like and then Jack what is it later on Jack is like I've, we've got a banana uh, well I've got a banana and you can put, it some put shelves some shelves in a pinch, in a pinch. <laughs> I love that whole thing of like them arguing about what Sonic is he's got when he says it's a screwdriver it's like yeah I mean you don't really realize you think like the Sonic screwdriver is kind of one of these like all-powerful like oh my god it's the Sonic screwdriver which uh, in is it Matt Smith's era it kind of became like the or is it Capaldi? Oh, it, it's more later it, on when it becomes kind of the reliance on the sonic screwdriver yeah, that's like with, super annoying with, with Matt Smith it was more of he just never put the bloody thing away yeah in, kind of in um Capaldi's era mainly with the sonic sunglasses because I don't really recall Ugh, seeing those the, uh, the the TARDIS blue sonic that frequently with no. Capaldi in series 10 and then obviously the sonic in Whitaker's era it just Jody's she never puts it away so she never puts it away I mean that's um, obviously not her fault that's bad writing but like yeah, it's, it's it's iffy writing but um yeah, it's it is a, it's a, it's genuinely it's a dick measuring contest between oh, Jack and the absolutely. doctor like, and, we, and the there's fact lich- that- They've literally made that joke in Day of the Doctor when uh, Tennant and Smith compare their screwdrivers. Oh, yeah, and Tennant says compensating it regeneration, it's a lottery. And like <laughs> that's all it is. It is literally like a it's 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 a pissing contest. It's let's see how mm. far you can can piss. Um and that like when <laughs> when Jack says, Oh, this really drains the battery and Rose is like, Battery? Batteries. I'll have the screwdriver then. That just seems to continue working. Yeah. Um and yeah, the the Sonic is is great in series one because it is so so like sparingly infrequently used. used. Yeah, it's it used to it open more... doors. It's used to resonate concrete. Which I'm not sure whatever. he even believed was going to happen. Like you know, you sort of look at him and think, do you really think that's going to resonate the concrete? And Let's even then, it's honest. like as Jack has said, there's like a seven story drop out there. How mm-hmm. is getting the bars off the window going to help at all? Yeah. But that that pissing contest between the Doctor and Jack is great because obviously the Doctor is trying his damned hardest to sort of re-show off again. Yeah. And, you know, Rose saying, why is it always the great-looking ones that have to disappear? And the Doctor I says, like, I'm bit. trying not to be offended here. And she's like, men. I mean men. And he's like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, that makes it better? Yeah. I, it's, it's really interesting seeing that dynamic between the Doctor and Jack. Because obviously with last episode, you don't see Jack as much. Uh, at least with the doctor mm. like that 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 relationship is explored so very briefly and then there is a bit of a clash and there's a bit of fun and like jabbing fun at each other and then it sort of comes back to the pissing contest and then there's the obviously rose convinces the doctor at the end to go back and save jack yeah because the doctor's like busy talking and he he knows he's gonna die and i think the doctor was just gonna go yeah screw him but also 
obviously he manages to sort of get Jack to save them because, you know, in that bit where he goes, oh, I've taken care of his psychology and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, get the bomb it's away. It's like, you know, Jack did the kind of right thing by taking it and not really worrying about... Well, I mean, obviously he was worried about whether he was going to die or not, but like, you know... Well, that's why he kept asking the computer, like, yeah. how can I survive this? Um, and the computer's like... Under <laughs> the com- sink! Com- <laughs> computer, computer says no, quite no. frankly. <laughs> um... But yeah, it's that whole everybody lives thing because for some reason I forgot that like actually this once everybody does live. Um, it's like literally no one dies in this whole episode. Um, yeah. And it was like when he was, when the doctor was saying everybody lives, I was like, there's got to be some sort of catch here. Like surely not everyone can live. And then obviously you have the whole thing of like going to Jack and I was like, oh, but then I sort of forgot that like Jack... I knew obviously he survived, but like I'd forgotten how. And then all of a sudden it was like that beautiful shot of um, dragging backwards from Jack's ca- like cockpit and then just sort of ending up on the TARDIS. Into the TARDIS. They just bolted the set onto the onto the TARDIS set. Yeah, it was beautiful. And went from there. I, I, yeah, it's a good... I was saying to you, like, it's. I, I'm really excited to see this shot again because it does look so mm. good. Because you just don't expect it. You expect it to kind of like drift backwards off the ship and just sort of say like goodbye to jack and then all of a sudden you get rose going are you gonna are you coming then are you like, coming or what yeah close um, the doors your body your ship's about to explode there's gonna be a draft, draft. it's um, actually kind of hard to remember hard to realize that jack isn't immortal here no he's completely no, of course, mortal that's it and it's like when like when we get to parting of the ways and you see his fate and you kind of go oh he's fine and then you realize oh wait no he's not he's not oh um, god it's um also speaking of beautiful shots that um bit where uh, the Tudor warship, alarm, Tudor goes warship off. alarm goes off and it does that, that amazing like moving shot down the hallway into the kid's face. It's like a weird swinging shot with all the lights are swinging oh, as well. Wonderful, I love that. And- it kind of reminds me of um I might get this wrong. Who's your favourite? Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. Wright. Um, yeah. When, because you know, obviously he does the movement shots, but he actually does them like the way you see them. So like he'll swing and stop rather than like starting and reversing the shot. Was that what you said to me? Wait, do you mean Wes Anderson? No, you know, in the guy who directed the Shaun of the Dead and that lot. Yes, yeah, you so know you, when I mean, he does I mean, like the movement shots, but he starts there and moves away rather than like swinging back and stopping and reversing it or what, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So happened. when he's doing when he's doing like whip pans, yeah, um, he that. had a camera operator. Is in Shaun of the Dead, like he was he, like I think there's a there's a discussion with Edgar Wright. Um, there's a you know the point in uh, Shaun of the Dead when he's got uh, the Sean mug on is, the table. Sean is Sean is doing his whole big plan and he's like, "We'll go back to my house, have a cup of tea, and wait for all this to blow over." Mm. There's a shot when the camera whip pans away from something and it whips to the mug that Sean's holding, and then the camera moves back. Yeah. Um, and how that isn't a shot that's reversed. Like it said, that's not a reversed shot. I just have this like ridiculously good camera operator who can whip to have mm-hmm. that like bang in the middle. And I th- after doing so much like. Because I did media production at university and Edgar Wright is a big inspiration to me. So I've always tried to do stuff like that in my own kind of work. And trying to do whips to get something bang in the centre. I can't... I did it not too long ago. I want to say it might have been when I was doing uh, my Mega Drive mini B-roll. Right. That I shot. And I'm trying to do that where you you whip it straight to oh, the middle. Oh, it's virtually if you've not impossible. Got, like, if you've not got like really good tripods with like fluid heads and whatever, it's not easy. But like... These guys are doing it with massive cameras. And mm. yeah, I know what you mean now. The but it's that they... kind of whip shot of like 
sort of focus. They got it. They angled it right up into his face. It's very yeah. blatant. Obviously, it's blatant that they have sped it up because there's, there's there's this oh, odd like yeah. motion blur effect on it too. But but it I'm doesn't not saying negate, like, you know it doesn't, it doesn't negate, negate how amazing that. that shot is. And um, as we said last week, like we we can really appreciate how good the cinematography is. Yeah. In in these episodes, I think Who episode was director one, of this episode. Uh, this was directed by James Hawes. Did he do? Did he do anything? Yeah, else? he did. He did episode one as well. I mean, obviously. Uh, sorry, episode, obviously. Ed Child. Child. Yeah. Um, in terms of, I don't feel like he's done much for Doctor Who. That's what I was wondering because, like, his shots are so distinctive in this two-parter. Like, I don't think you sort of see. Apparently, any he shots was originally going to be taking. Over, he was going to be doing uh, Torchwood as oh. the uh, producer and lead director, but that, that eventually went to Chibnall. Funnily enough, wow. Um, at, uh, filmography. He's done five, five episodes. I think he shot. I think he might have uh, done some stuff in series two as well because it says Doctor Who five episodes, two thousand and four to five. Right. Which would have been shooting in two thousand four for series one, and then shooting two thousand five for series mm-hmm. two. So we'll see James Hawes again. We'll have to see. We'll have to compare whether the episodes, the episode like Theo has the same kind of shooting. If we um, remember. <laughs> if we remember. We'll have to, somebody take note. Somebody uh, remind us. <laughs> who's listening? And the reminders that James Hawes, we need to keep an eye on him um, and see if these are shot in the same kind of way. Because, yeah, the cinematography is great. The, the, the whole feeling, the colour palette, everything about this episode feels so... It's so brown. Unique. Yeah. Is that, like, weird to say? But, like, the no, whole no, it's, colour it's, it's palette very, is like, just brown. <laughs> it's brown. It's it's sort of brown, grey, and deep blue, Yeah, I think. I'm not. I've never been one to, to sort of analyze color palettes, even with the media degree. Color palettes is something we really. I mean, I suppose obviously it, it's kind of brown because it's in the middle of like World it's War. It's the II middle of the blitz, and, so it's going to be know, dark. Everything's yeah. dark. Um, but also that's a point. Like this whole episode kind of happens across what, like an hour or like a couple of the hours. The whole two part is two hours because isn't when when Rose meets Jack, he says that. Uh, oh, in two know, hours. Gonna, in two hours' time, yeah, a bomb yeah. is going to fall on it. Uh, and it'd be destroyed forever. So give me the fifty percent right now. Yeah. So yeah, it is. It's interesting to, to see that this plays out over two hours. So you could almost say, to some extent, you could play it out in real time. Yeah. Because obviously this lasts an hour and a half. Mm. So give or take half an hour, you could almost see this event, this the, the events of this episode play out. Yeah. Which is actually quite cool to think about. I never really, I never really thought about that before. Mm. It's just one of those like things. That. And um, <laughs> I just kept bringing up the video game reference again, didn't I? When I was like, oh, this is the stealth <laughs> section when Nancy's With trying Nancy's, to get to the... Uh, yeah. I could just imagine the player having to like walk around, kind of Last of Us 2 style, where you could use your audio thing to hear where the soldiers are to try and avoid them to get to the warship. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then you've got, the, you've got the alarm going off and you go, oh no, and then doors the open. Scene. Final boss. Here we go. <laughs> the final it boss just says, is just a bunch of nano Jamie in a big health bar appears. <laughs> and it's like, oh no, Nancy used, I'm your mama. <laughs> one hit, critical hit. It's so weird to think like, this whole episode could have been solved if she'd have just gone, yeah, I'm your mum. <laughs> yeah. And the, the doctor does very much say, like, so you hid, you lied. And he, mm. he, he has this, like, this pissed off tone. But I think at this point in time, because he's already said, I don't know, he sees this as a means of, like, maybe, maybe this could work. Yeah, so he kind of like, pushes her. Obviously, he kind, he kind of, like, it, it, it's not really seen as... But I think the obvious is this, um, kind of like uh, Gwyneth in episode three, mm. where it's like she's gonna give herself to save everyone. Yeah, yeah. And Rose is like, no, don't do it, no, don't do it. Rose maybe hasn't read into the idea that this could this could also not work. Yeah. The doctor could say to her, go and speak to him, go and hug him, go whatever, mm-hmm. see if the nanogenes can work it out. But otherwise, if it doesn't work, he's basically just condemned Nancy to. To death. Let's face it, death, because Whoopee. the people who are the zombies just aren't themselves at all mm. anymore. And it could have not worked, and then the humanity could have been screwed. Oh, well, I mean, humanity but, was screwed anyway, I suppose. It was like, the Doctor could have of... easily gone ham on her mm. about this. But obviously I mean, the thing is, though, he's he got sees that kind of it... caring side as well, though. Like, oh, I mean, absolutely. You know, you're sort of talking about a teenage mum during, like, you know, the 1940s or whatever, 1930s, it would have probably been 1941 no well, yeah 1930s. No, she would have been a teenage mum in the 1930s 1936, is what i mean 1937 she would have given birth yeah um so it's 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 not obviously like uh, like impossible but it's relative obviously but the doctor's kind of shock is relatively unheard of yeah um so i think the reason it's kind of like tough love is the reason why he's a bit harder on her um but I, I, I've always really adored this episode. Like, that bit where she sort of goes up to Jamie and is like, yes, I am your mummy. I was literally crying. Like, actually yeah. crying. Just because it it's is, so, it is, like... It is sad. I think because she says, you know, it's all my fault. Mm. And because she realises that throughout all of this, she could have just said... Yes. The, the mummy, the titular mummy that is being looked for is her, but she's mm. hiding away. Probably down to the shame of being... Um, of being a single, single mother, mom. a teenage mother in in the Second World War, because obviously times back then were very different to now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the racism, sexism, the approaches to women and whatever, like that was all very different then than it is now. Even though, interestingly, we get two very on... Oh, I say two very. One very on-the-nose uh, sort of gay relationship. Mm-hmm. Another one that's a little more... Uh, implicit. So, oh, is Algie, this the bit where she's in the house? Yeah, Algy. Uh, we we were talking about this last week about how he, you know, Jack slaps Algy on the bum and he sort of grins it off. Mm. And um, 
Jack then said, and I kind of missed this, this whole section at the, at the beginning of the train yard before the transformation. I always sort of brush this over because as a kid, you don't know what on earth they're talking about. Nah. Now, obviously you do. And Rose is like, oh no, I'll go distract the guards. And she's like, right, okay, let's get, let's get the girls out and let's go do it. Um, and Jack's there like, trust me, you're not his type. So it's obvious, yep, they're shagging. Yeah. And then you've got, um, what's his name? Uh, Mr. Lloyd. Is that the, the man other? who? Oh, the one in the house. That's the dad. Yeah, who yeah. puts the food. I put the food on this table, and uh, Nancy says, "Oh, everyone thinks that your missus is uh, messing around with what's his face, the butcher, but she's not. You are." I love that. It's like that basically, bit. I have this this leverage against you: the fact that you're uh, a closeted gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, supposedly, it's very much. It's very heavily implied that that's yeah. the case. Like I could, I could bring down your entire family. I could bring down all of your reputation because obviously this is a very backwards time where being gay was a yeah, bad yeah. thing, um, and that's really on the nose. And I love the fact that that gets explored. I just like, love that whole scene where she sat in, like, because she thinks she's done for. When obviously you went to me, you went, "I love this bait snatch bit," and I was like, "What are you on about? With, bait switch? That's her, bait snatch." <laughs> when his son uh, steps around the corner with the gas mask on, and, and then he takes Jamie. it off. And it's actually, and she says, oh, I thought you were Jamie. And then sort of the dad rugby tackles her back into the house. Mm. I like how they must have like sat her down and then cle- cleared the table and then had a talking yeah, to her. It's yeah. like, just sit there and be quiet. Well, they were waiting for the police, weren't they? Um, it's true, yeah. But I, but yeah, I like how I love the, the mother whole... probably was coming in and clearing the clearing table, just tutting well. at her every time she saw her or something like that. <laughs> um, but Yeah, like, that whole bit where she's like, where you think she's sort of done for and he's going... The police are on their way, but she's just like, no, I'll it's have an some. Awful lot of fo- it's an awful lot of food, isn't it? Because he goes, Lloyd? is there anything else you want? And she's like, yes, I'll have some wikers, please, and this, and that, and that. And, and I'd like to like... take a dump before I go. <laughs> I'd, I'll have a massive big one in the toilet, please. <laughs> <laughs> you got to call the police and then a plumber, Mr. Lloyd. <laughs> but no, the way I'm she kind of like... about to be an empty child. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. I'm that was sorry. terrible. That was awful. <laughs> but anyway, like I was saying, he's absolutely gone. He's done himself in now. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I love the good. way that she's just so like. This is why I love Nancy's character because she doesn't take any crap from anyone. She's I said this so, last week. She's a badass bitch. She's, yeah, she's, she's so badass. She is street tough, but she cares so much, mm. and that's why she's such an amazing character and why she's. Apart from Jack, probably the big standout character from series one that isn't obviously the Doctor and Rose. Yeah, I mean, she's and obviously Mickey, of... Jackie, etc., etc., I mean, et yeah, but like yeah. a, a okay. single sto- <laughs> uh, 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 a single story uh, character. Yeah, she's even, kind even, of like um... even Margaret, like even Blonfell Fox, who we'll see next week. Like she's very like she is iconic in her own right, mm. but she's not. Nancy. The only other character that I remember in the same kind of way as Nancy is, um, and I've forgotten her name, so obviously I don't remember her that well, but the girl from the first episode of the two-parter who's stuck in the Big Brother house with the Doctor. Linda. Linda. That's the one. Linda, Linda with, with a Y. y. Um, her. She's the only other kind of like single character yeah. that you remember in that kind of like way, like the same way as you do Nancy. Yeah. Um, but like, just very quickly back to the uh, to the Mr. Lloyd bit and also uh, Algy. Obviously, we've talked about this before, like uh, with Russell T. Davies being gay himself and there being all this like very much sort of um, progressive planting in Doctor Who. Whenever that argument about like representation in, in media, like you've mentioned Last of Us 2 already mm-hmm. uh, in this podcast and 
like I'm all on record. I love Last of Us Two. Yeah, I really I think enjoyed it's fantastic. it. Um, but the reason it's being review bombed is because of the representation it has. There is partially down to what happens, which of course I'm not going no to divulge spoilers. here. Um, but and I understand people's annoyance with it. But the majority of the review bombing is based around representation and. Sometimes people say, oh, this 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 particular thing isn't there to be SJWified or, or PC'd and, and turned into some kind of propaganda machine for, for gay people. Mm. And yet, you look back at Doctor Who, and Doctor Who's had the same thing. Yeah. You had uh, Bill Potts being a very openly gay companion. Who she almost, mentions like every episode. Almost potentially a bit too much, which we will get to in series 10. Uh, and then you had the casting of Jodie Whittaker, in 20... What was it? 17? Yeah, something like that. I think it was. Yeah, 2017 she was cast. uh, And everyone going all ass about tit about that. And then you look back to 2005, technically even 2004, and go, look, it's always been here. You just didn't notice. It's always been here because it's so much more implicit. Mm. And you have to... And I don't don't want to make a a, a gross generalisation of people here who do complain about these things. You've got to be clever to spot it. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's more on the nose, people get more arsy about it because they can actually see it. Whereas if you go back and you watch it, you realise it's been there the whole bloody time. But it's time. the thing of, like, it's not even the whole... I mean, this is a very different conversation. I will try not to get too into it because it does make me angry. <laughs> but yeah. um, the whole thing of, like, oh, you're going all SJW. It's like, no, these people exist. Like, yeah, just because you've absolutely. given them a storyline for no reason, like, literally, you know, The Last of Us having representation in it isn't because they thought, oh, my God, we've got to appease the gay masses. We need to tick all of these boxes it's to make sure that we're, we don't get cancelled for some Deal reason. Deal with yeah. it. Like, you know, these people exist. Like, the fact that Algie's gay, the fact that the head of the family, Mr. Lloyd, is gay, it's like, it's nothing new. Just, you know, it's no. just the fact that nowadays it's these people are fighting for their rights in the same way they deserve to. So... Yeah. Yeah. But that's the last we'll say on it because obviously it makes me angry and I don't really it's like a huge, to talk about It's a huge debate to have and it's one of those things that it will come up again in Doctor Who. Mm. Like, as I, I said this when I was doing ups and downs and stuff, like um, Praxius, for all of its faults, had a fantastic gay relationship explored oh, yeah. during that episode. And it wasn't the the whole point, which mm-hmm. is what people usually get pissed off with. If they'd have turned around and made a big deal about Captain Jack in 2005 being a gay character, it would have probably been better received because it's it's not that it's oversaturated, but because representation has become much more prevalent across media, um, there are people who now just get sick of it. I don't even think it's that. I think it's the fact that, like... Now, like back in 2005 you don't have the kind of instantaneous reaction that you have now so like now exactly. we have twitter we have facebook we have like all the social media that is so like our ethos like from millennials kind of onwards like gen gen said whatever we're all kind of grown up with this instantaneous like life like you know you want something you order it on amazon prime you get it the next day like no one has to yeah. wait for anything anymore and so having I don't think it's even an oversaturation in like, you know, because I still don't think there's enough gay representation, but it's people's oh, instant yeah. reactions to it that are making it seem that make like, it look like it it's an, an issue yeah. because back in the day, it's like someone sees someone gay on television and they have to write to the BBC to make it apparent that they were annoyed <laughs> with it. So you don't get to hear about it. Whereas now yeah. you hear about it more often. And I think that's what causes the issues. It isn't the fact that people are being like, you know, that shows and stuff have more features of it. It's that you just can't hear the arseholes and, personally i wish we could go back to a time where you can't hear our souls um mm. 
but yeah it's it's one of those things annoyingly that just is kind of but i mean like going rolling back to captain jack um and trying to get a little bit more back on topic um yeah yeah the uh, I do really enjoy that scene where he goes over to speak to Algie and you left with the Doctor and Rose and the Doctor's explaining to Rose about what happens with the repopulation of like human races kind of going off and sp- spreading their dancing as like, you know. Yeah, Rose is kind of like, oh, but I thought I could like, I thought I had a chance with him. But then he's going off and implying that he wants to be with Algie. And I'm guessing that Rose doesn't really... Rose appreciate or understand of... like bisexuality or, or pansexuality whatever, or pansexuality or hypersexuality or whatever jack would identify as and mm. i think obviously we've said that rose is a very open person i think she's pretty game to get with along with that like the doctor is like yeah whatever he just kind of goes oh for god's sake don't start like david tennant especially when jack's just hitting on everything that moves yeah and the doctor's like oh for goodness sake here we go again he's not around and saying no don't do that because he's a man and you're a man and oh like it's just a case of oh for goodness sake mate can yeah, we stop like, can you stop, stop thinking about putting your dick in that for five seconds if he does have a Please. dick i mean <laughs> <laughs> now that's an that's a topic we'll have to cover on a future special bonus episode no, he, of Escaping Gustavus. Does Captain Jack <laughs> Escaping Gustavus have after a cock? Dark. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that whole sequence, as, as I said earlier, the 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 like we didn't appreciate this as kids, and the Doctor's like, yeah, basically the human race evolved. They meet new people, and oh my god, do they get shagged? And they go off and dance. I love and they the go whole off and thing. Dance. Like, I love, whole... I love that. I like... see, again. Kids, though us being ten years old with this ad, right over our heads, mm-hmm. and all the adults are just like, oh, ah, okay, sex jokes. Like, it's gonna happen. <laughs> but also it's the whole happen. like, I mean, the f- oh, you can understand why this episode is called the Doctor Dances, not just because they've got the dance sequence at the end, but um, because you've got like references to it sort of throughout obviously when um jack's trying to intercept the intercom to tr- stop like while he's trying to rescue um the doctor and rose from that hospital room um and rose is sort of she's obviously flirting with the doctor sort of being like come on then you can dance because she's got that face on you, you know rose has that flirty face where she kind mm. of leaves her i mean we've seen it throughout the, the majority and, uh, of the last episode of her yeah. looking at jack like she's starting to see the doctor in that way i think it's because like the doctor has said like oh i'm offended mm. like oh it basically like that that implies to me the doctor's there going yeah i would i mean he obviously and, and loves Rose, her. i mean We've obviously i mean before like the girl the we dalek not works the girl it out for love, god's literally. sake yeah like i feel like rose maybe would have gone okay oh uh, i think uh, she's done what? like way before okay this. yeah Let, let's 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 go with that um and yeah i think you're right it's quite a, it's a very weird conversation to have like the the sort of the the sexuality of the doctor became very much normalized in the in new who because classic who just never had it nah well like classic was, who uh, is kind of i mean when when did classic who end 1889 89. so yeah. before that you kind of had a lot of obviously different times like you know you wouldn't really hypersexualize hypersexuality wasn't it's not necessarily really... hypersex it's not even necessarily that it's just the idea of exploring a relationship mm. between the doctor and a companion be it of a like a genuine like attraction like a love or like even of a sexual nature yeah, that's I mean, never been explored really get it in, well, and i don't ever want them to do you really. want it in a kind of does you get it in a sexual nature i wouldn't say it's sexual it's more of a kind of just flirtation it is it is, it is, it is, it is there's a bit of flirting but i think the the connection that we see between the doctor and rose more specifically tenant's doctor and rose oh yeah it is it is love oh, it's just like i am in love with you mm-hmm. um whereas the other way around is a bit different i mean admittedly like with 
Martha, that's different. Ugh. Ugh. And we Let's will, not we will talk. get to that. Don't talk to me about Martha. Let's just... <laughs> we'll get to her when we get to her, okay? But I don't like yeah. her. <laughs> I'm hoping when we get to season three that you start to see things differently because I see, the I've... amount... Like, there is, there is... When you go back through series three with Martha and her approach, no, her, like, her sudden wooing by the doctor like it's so sudden that kiss in smith and jones i just rolled my eyes so hard they fell out the back of my head and she's proper just like <laughs> oh oh hello just but then you also realize that we don't know we don't know whether the doctor half clocks onto this and he treats her like crap i just don't like the series the, i mean I, I know we'll get to it but like i just yeah. don't like the way she treats him as if he's the bad guy for not loving her back i'm like martha yeah. you met him for five minutes and you were already head over heels for him that's not a thing but also he's literally just lost the woman he loves give him a break you can't treat him like you're the most special thing in the universe like um, yeah. i know i've never met anybody that wasn't special yeah well you're not that special so sit down wow. no i'm joking wow. that's uh, that's look horrible forward, look forward <laughs> to season three of uh, escaping Custerberus. i just i've what i've rewatched it several times and i just don't understand her point like she's not got a leg to stand on really like oh my god you're just not in love with me so therefore i'm taking myself out of the situation good that's what you should do but just don't make a big deal out of it uh, in case you can't tell i'm not keen on martha's trope i like yeah. her cat like i like the story of her character and series three is good and like but... her her relevance beca- because doctor who suffers not so much now at least not recently suffers from a huge deal of important mm-hmm. companion Ugh. syndrome and martha's one is I think a bit it works better. It's better fitted into their series compared to. Uh, I think the I'm thing sorry, about Supreme Donna. Yeah, I think the thing her, about Supreme. So you don't better. like Donna. I really like Donna. Um, I, I, uh, we'll, again, we'll we're get getting really that. ahead of ourselves. We'll get to Donna. I don't hate her. No, but I think no. the thing about super important companions though is like you know, like you said, they are very overdone. Martha's being super important is kind of like a. It's almost it's taken... a coincidence. It's a coincidence of the series. Yeah, it's but it's not almost like it's not like an overarching plot. Yeah, um, but it's no. al- almost kind of also taken away from her a bit. But anyway, it yeah, is, yeah, that is anyway. a very very future episode that we will try and get to <laughs> at yeah. some point. Yeah, <laughs> we've but like skipped ahead a bit there to sort of like because obviously we've covered basically all the things that happened. Like the the doctor saying everybody lives. I said this in a video. The doctor says, just this once, Rose, everybody lives. And, you know, he's really ecstatic because the, the threat of the week, the monster of the week, has been defeated. The the people who have been infected, they all survive. Yeah. It's all great. And the lady's always, leg grows I've, back. The lady's leg grows <laughs> back. I've always read that scene as going, everybody lives, Rose, just this once, everybody lives. And it's like, that's really great, Doctor, except can you hear the bombs dropping and everyone <laughs> dying in London in the Blitz? It's yeah. like, hmm... <laughs> that's reading into it a bit deep yeah, I, will I think admit. so I mean you like, don't, I don't think I've, you uh, that no no I know but I've always read that scene and gone yeah but what about all the dead people I said, <laughs> this, I said this I said this in a list I said this in a voiceover <laughs> I don't know whether this I might be out on the channel now and I just like everybody lives Rose everybody lives except for the people that died in the war Doctor but okay lol bye <laughs> <laughs> I am um, that's that last 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 big question big thing that's always fascinated me about the Doctor's answers as an episode. Mm. I find it amazing the Doctor has programmed a disco setting in the TARDIS. A 
disco setting. He can flick a switch and make all the lights go. Well, they all dance around, don't they? As, as he's as he's dancing, all the lights and the toilets are all flashing in well, like, not they? in time, but they're all just like. Did we not paying attention? I mean, I was more paying attention to the fact that he can't click in time at all. That's true. Admittedly, <laughs> I don't think that they had music on set. No, they like, wouldn't have at done. All. Um, but yeah, he can't click in time. But the whole TARDIS is like the lights, all the the, the consoles flashing, the wall, the there's the you know like on the walkway around the outside, there's like three lights on there. Yeah, they're all like alternating. They're all flashing away, and I just love the idea that the TARDIS has a disco button. <laughs> I mean, the TARDIS uh, has everything. The TARDIS has everything, but it also creams. has it also has a disco a disco button. setting. Disco can we see just drops from the ceiling? <laughs> <laughs> can we see the disco TARDIS again at some point in the future? If I, I so. ever find myself as a writer or a producer or the showrunner of Doctor Who in the future, I promise to you, kind listeners, that, that we'll I will bring back. bring back the disco TARDIS, <laughs> or I will write in a disco room because the TARDIS doesn't get explored on any kind of non like story focused basis mm. like in the fourth doctor's serial where they just sort of wander into one of the old control rooms him and sarah jane and it's like cool let's just do that yeah um whereas it's only ever very specifically like in the doctor's wife or journey to the center of the tardis where they actually explore more of the TARDIS. oh journey to the center of, of the tardis is good wait which one am i thinking of Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS is the one with Clara. And no, Matt. I'm thinking of the Doctor's Wife. You're thinking wife. of the Doctor's Wife. Yeah, ignore yeah. me. Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS is... It's interesting I mean, for different reasons. <laughs> it's Series 7, which... Get excited for Series 7 of the podcast, folks, because Series 7 sucks. Hey. I am O. There's like two good episodes. The rest of it's all toss. That's going to be fun. But we keep jumping ahead, but I think it's because we've kind of wrapped up... The Empty Child and the Doctor Dances. Hey, I'm impressed. Which, 52 minutes. We did. I know, we're doing well, yeah. For a podcast, we thought we wouldn't be that long. We went like, off tangent a little bit, but that's fine. Eh, it's stuff to discuss. At the end of the day, my, the, we opened this podcast, or I opened the podcast with a big old monologue about my life. Yay. I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> sure. But uh, yeah, I, I adore these episodes, even though they scared me so much as a kid, but I think that's why I, I love them. Yeah. Whenever I find something that terrifies me, I always seem to want to read into it. It's kind of like what I mentioned about Saw. Mm. Like I hate the Saw films. I can't watch them. Nah, I just don't either. do. I don't do gornography nah. f- films. I I don't understand the appeal. I don't mind it in like small bursts. Like when I, I went mm. to go and see um, Halloween, the new one. Yeah. Um, and that's got some pretty bad kills in it, but because they're minor, for like, like an eh. effect. Like you see a guy, of. you see a guy's head get stamped on, and it's like cool. Oh, fun. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I think I did kind of like oh no a, a moment there. There are certain things I can't do, but like Saw is one of those things I can't do, and yet I researched it and I read all the backstory because mm. it's all genuinely fascinating. I think that's because it makes it less scary, though, if you read kind of yeah. all of that sort of stuff. And The Empty Child is one of those things where I've always been fascinated by it. I'm going to have to watch that second I'm really sorry, by the way, again. if anyone can hear my tummy rumbling. It's like really gurgling in the background. I'm um, really hungry. <laughs> I can't I can't hear it. I'm going to have to make dinner straight after this. I hope you can't hear it either because it is really going. I can't hear it. <laughs> Um, My bad. it's why like when I first rode the Tower of Terror at Disneyland Paris it terrified me so I had to research mm-hmm. it and The Empty Child is one of those things that I read into so much because it scared me so much I think it's a what lot fascinated of people... me about the war about the Second World mm. War that setting not so much because it had aliens in it but just seeing the <laughs> that's not really the best word but the aesthetic of the war yeah. seeing <laughs> that sort of sudden change in society fascinated me mm-hmm. so I, I loved reading about the war back when i was I young i think and these I think... were quite a few people's 
favorite episode as well because we had a lot of people on the youtube thing a lot of people jumped onto the podcast like, oh my because, god i'm so excited for this episode because it was this episode and i'm not surprised really i did expect this one to get like a oh god it's the empty child like this is what scared people and yeah. i'm hoping that the i've had people say to me like they've been going through uh eccleston for the first time like properly they probably just breezed over it but because they've had the chance to like sit and watch it and then obviously hear us like break it down a bit more have that chance to really appreciate it because i mean we said this before me and amy already appreciate eccleston don't so skip much. nine never skip nine <laughs> and this is why and we will we, we'll cover this more like we'll, we'll do our general thoughts on series one after the series mm. like we're gonna do an extra podcast for each series to talk about what we've seen rank the episodes i guess and we'll just talk about it as a whole but so many people are going through this and and realizing how why he's so good and empty child dr dances i think is one of those two parters that really does stand out i I still think it's one of the best stories slash two parters of the whole of doctor who oh of doctor who in general new who especially Mm -hmm. but like it's it's just so good because it's so like i said everything everything works nothing feels surprisingly tacked on no like the the i said last week about how it started out was just here's a chula warship big deal and then it it branches and branches and branches into something more Mm. so naturally and so well yeah it does it really kind of like and the way the doctor pieces it together in like little tiny bits here and there so like rose's rope burn and then the nano genes on the ship and just not really and then obviously the tudor warship like i think he knows almost straight away that like there's obviously been something like you know when jack says it was empty that was one of the things back in the day that really got me that really like whoa oh god yeah you know mm. what do you expect bandages cough drops this is actually full of nanogenes it was like oh god oh my god like, mind blown proper proper got me yeah and that's why we held moffat and oh, we still hold moffat for his standalone episodes and some of the stuff he did some of the episodes he wrote in series five to seven sorry five to seven five to uh ten mm. um like why we we appreciate so much of his work because he can craft stuff like this oh someone else mentioned uh in the comments last i know i said this to you already rich but when we were talking about monsters that really scared us someone in the youtube comments for last week said about the midnight entity and Mm. that yeah i agree i heartily agree that that was hella scary that whole midnight but we'll obviously we will get to that episode because that that is a good episode but yeah, did uh, did the empty child scare you as a kid? You have to let us know in the comment section below if you are listening on the old YouTube. If you are listening to us on whatever podcast platform you use, then uh, you can tweet us at WhoCulture. You can use the hashtag escaping Custerberus. It's there on the title if you don't know how to spell Custerberus. Uh, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at PickupChangeToe. And you can follow me at Ames underscore Elizabeth. Next week, we are heading back to Cardiff to refuel and we're going to go and bump... No, I was about to say... I was meant to say rub shoulders, but my first thought was to say bump uglies. We're not. We are not going to be bumping uglies with Blonfell Foch passing me a day to the bean because we're coming... (laughs) Hey, girl, do you want something big and green and blobby? Not not at all. Slightly, slightly farty. With a zip on it. Oh, we've got two areas to go into there. I mean, <laughs> let's just ignore I mean, that. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, a zip's gonna hurt on the old uh, downstairs. But anyway, oof. 
This like is a catching weird it, like catching it in your zipper. No, a whole, puts a whole new meaning to catching it in your zipper. I'm not allowing I'm you. I'm not allowing you back on next week. Okay, I'm just going to do the whole okay, episode. Okay, Amy's going to monologue it. Thank <laughs> God it's the end of the podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you. We hope to see you next week. If you have any questions regarding Boomtown. Please let us know on Twitter again at WhoCulture. Use the hashtag EscapingCustobris. You can follow me at PickupChangeToe and at Amy at Ames underscore Elizabeth. Until then, take care of yourselves. We will see you next week. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.